Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Idea Fit Pro Show. This is Sandy Webster, Ideas Editor in Chief, and your host for the podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Petra Kolber, a fitness professional and leader who has shined her luminous spirit on our industry and on fitness consumers from the day she started teaching classes. Petra is an author, inspirational speaker, podcast host, world traveler, and DJ, to name just a few of her roles and interests. With over 30 years of experience in the fitness industry, Petra has been honored with some of its most prestigious awards, including the 2018 Specialty Presenter of the Year Award from CanFit Pro, and as the 2001 Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year. She has been the creative voice and face of several fitness and wellness companies, including Reebok, Yes Fitness Music, California Walnuts, and Spry Living Magazine. In 2018, Petra released her first book, The Perfection Detox, which has since been translated into French and Spanish. As a two-time cancer survivor, she is passionate about waking people up to the precious gift of time. And she works with individuals and companies to help them get unstuck so they can become unstoppable. So much wisdom to be had with this interview. So let's jump right in. Welcome, Petra. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am so happy to have the opportunity to speak with you today, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the Idea Fit Pro Show. My pleasure, my honor, and again, just so grateful to be here. Thank you for thinking of me for this incredible event and the show that you you guys are doing so beautifully. Oh, thank you. So you have been around the industry for a long time, and while many of our listeners have seen you present at various industry of events, for those who don't know you or your work, would you please start by introducing yourself and describing your career path? Hmm. For those of you that don't know me, write me some money. No, only kidding. Uh, <laughs> for, the young, for the youngsters out there. So yeah, I have been around like three decades when I think about it. I Three decades. I started my career in the early 90s with this thing called STEP that you may or may not know. And I think it was a, a mixture of, I, I moved to New York City thinking I was going to be a dancer. And my very first Broadway audition, I realized, hmm, I am cruise ship good. I am, you know, I'm a certain <laughs> kind of good. I am not Broadway good. I don't sing. I can't do gymnastics. And Luckily, it's so weird. I had taken, it's, such, it's so serendipitous. I think it's worth sharing. I was a dancer in Miami and I don't even know what possessed me. I had heard of this thing. I don't even know if it was called aerobics, but one of the, dance, <laughs> one of the dancers, um, they had just won Star Search, uh, John and Allen. And John, I can't remember his last name now, was teaching this thing called aerobics or dance exercise. And I had turned my nose up at it. You know, I'm a dancer. I don't do that. And when I took his class, I was like, oh, this is so fun. And he would, you know, I'm like, and there was this room of these sweaty women. I'm like, okay, this could be fun. We're not really thinking about it. Anyway, without really knowing what I was doing, I 
uh, applied to take my ACE certification. I remember this. And even some of the dancers that were with me at the time still remember me to this day. Backstage, in between shows, you know, with a big ACE textbook, learning. <laughs> then this was in Miami. I flew up to Tampa early one morning, took my ACE certification. In, I think it was 1990, that's my ACE cert. Flew wow. back down, did the show. And because of that, the reason I share this is a couple of weeks later, I got something in the mail about this thing called step aerobics. Like it was going to be this brand new thing by Reebok, by this girl called Jane Miller. I had no idea about any of this. I thought, oh, let me just, I'll sign up and I'll go. So what happened is I actually went to the very, the very first ever step Reebok training. First time Jin had presented, first time Peter, Peter Francis had presented. And I just thought, well, this is a load of fun. So fast forward six months, no one knew what step aerobics was. No gym was interested. I had gone around and there was this gym that also had um, a studio in Atlanta. And they said, oh, wait a minute, step. We have these basically graffiti sprayed benches in the back. Is that what <laughs> is that what they're for? I'm like, I don't know. Let's have a look. And they had like these wooden boxes or like six inches, eight inches. And I said, okay. So it's okay, you can teach a class. And I'll come Saturday at 10 o'clock. I taught the first class. There was no one there. <laughs> Second week, there was one person. Third week, there was five. And soon before we knew it, it was packed. Do this thing. I still remember my little cassette, right? My little cassette with Madonna and Vogue. Anyway, so that was that. Why do I share this? Because when I moved to New York, I was an unknown. I was so new in the industry. However, because I taught this thing called STEP, I got fast-tracked into the boutique studios. It's so funny how everything old is new again, right? So we had the boutiques, the big boxes, broke down the boutiques, so then we have boutiques again. So I got into the, the boutique studios very quickly because I taught this thing called STEP. Luck would have it, luck and timing. I came in, I was teaching at this incredible studio called Molly Fox, and Reebok was looking for someone to do another VHS program. Jim Miller was the face of STEP, and they were looking for someone to do um, the winning body workout with the new um, Olympians, Nancy Carrigan being one of them. Mm. Yeah, she'd just gotten hit on the knee by Tanya Harding, so it was all in the news. And I remember everybody around the country was sending in their VHS tapes. You know, like, oh, pick me, pick me. Like, and at the time, I was teaching this class called uh, London Beat. It was step to live drummers. And it was no one had done it before. That, so, that sounds it, like a blast. Oh, my gosh. It was like a rock concert. It was amazing. Bring it and, back. <laughs> oh, no, I tried. Yeah. So anyway, something should not be revisited. That would be one of them. Um, <laughs> but then Reebok picked me and I got to be on camera as this forward facing fitness person. And from there, it was just like, it was magical. It was like the, it was the fairy unicorn experience of <laughs> I got paid to travel around the world mm. teaching aerobics and fitness. And it was just, it was a delight. And now looking back, I'm so grateful and so blessed that I had that part of my career. And then I, you know, then I, I was still at it like 20, 30 years later. That was kind of the the long and short story of it. Yeah, and we're going to get into more into what you've been doing recently, but it's just it's a lesson in what it's in that hindsight thing. It's never a linear path. 
a, a, a career path. But when you look back on it in the rear view, you see how all the dots connect and how the people connect. And it's it's always fascinating to look at that. Yeah. And I think for your listeners, um, it, what I'd love people to take from that is it's all these micro choices that when you're making them in your career, you might go, ah, oh, I don't know, is this going to pay off? So for example, when I was teaching at Molly Fox, you know, PR was unheard of, you know, be able to afford a PR agent. And I knew it was important. And so I trained for free five days a week at 5.30 in the morning, a PR agent. Mm. And because of that, and I also thought I need to do something different. I don't know what that will be. And through a whole load of circumstances, I met these drummers and I thought that could go great with step. No one had done it before. Let me try. And I was trying before I knew the outcome. And so all these little micro choices, that that not knowing of the drummers got me in front of Reeboks eyes, that taking a VHS tape and sending my my recording in of this class without any expectation of being chosen. Then when you get on set, you know, making sure you're prepared. You know, I remember Jim Miller saying, just be prepared, Mm -hmm. you know, get those notes written, get everyone's name on them. And it's the effort without expectation that will, I think, will reveal remarkable results for for everybody if you just show up and do the work. Right. And be prepared, as you say. That's a a great piece of advice. So, Petra, you were actually my third podcast guest in February of 2019. Um, You and I had a brilliant conversation that was planned for launch in March, almost two years ago. And then this pandemic happened. Even just the passage of of time so quickly, it just has kind of blown my mind. But as I recall, when we talked, you were podcasting from a tiny closet in your New York City apartment. Um, But I I know your entire lifestyle has changed since then. You're sort of a nomad out on the road right now. Can you share when and why you moved out of New York and what you've been up to since then? Yeah. Oh, my podcast closet. Let me tell you, having a walk-in closet in New York is a gift if you want to do a podcast. I was sweating like crazy. Don't get me wrong. You have to close the door so you can't hear the sirens, but the sound is remarkable. So yes, so we had that conversation. I cannot believe it. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So so then COVID happened and I was in New York and New York was a very strange, well, everywhere was a strange place to be, but everything, you know, in New York, it's, I love that city. I, it's a gift to me. You know, New York teaches you so much about yourself and you also pay a ton of rent. And what was happening is everything that you're paying rent for in New York shut down. Broadway shut down, museums shut down. Um, you know, we didn't know how it was all going to unfold. And this was month after month after month. And I was in a high rise and I could see the high rise opposite me. Literally everybody moved out of New York City who could mm. afford to. Now, I wasn't COVID that inspired me to uproot. There was two things. One, my building had been sold. So I was going to have to move anyway. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to have to move anyway, this was a perfect time to think about, hmm, do I want to stay in New York? Do I want to, what do I want to do? And I've been toying with this idea of traveling the world, interviewing women about getting older. Because when we were talking in my, my in my closet back in New York, I imagine we were talking a lot about perfectionism because that's what I my first book was about. Yep. And I and I always believe, again, this is something that maybe your listeners, you know, maybe it's something they could think about. Often the very thing that we think is our ugly part, our hidden part, the piece we don't want to, it's not very sexy, 
if we can look at that and do the work and not be therapy on stage, but have done the work, that often is the very thing that can separate you from everybody else that's doing what we're all doing. Then we can all go out there and do burpees and squats and coaching and training, but what makes us unique? So what made me kind of unfortunately unique in the past was as a fitness professional, I had panic attacks because I thought I had to be perfect to be to deem the the accolade of being a fitness celebrity. No yeah. one ever told me that. I took that on. Through therapy and all sorts of things, I got over that and wrote a book about it. And then it's like, okay, now now what what's my what's next? And what was coming up for me was this idea of getting older. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle. It's like, you know, I'm forward facing. I've been on camera. Uh, we, we're now we're on Zoom, right? More than ever when COVID hit. So everybody's on camera even more. And I was struggling with this idea of aging well, not gracefully, but getting older with a piece, aging to the best of my ability, but not beating myself up every time I looked in the mirror. And I was talking to other women about that. And they're like, oh my gosh, I have that same issue too. And I thought, Interesting. And I felt like it needed to be a global conversation mm-hmm. because I do believe in the, in America, we have it so, we, we have these uh, uh, unrealistic ideals to live up to as what I call women of a certain age. So I've been toying with this idea. And then on podcasts, people would say, hey, so what are you doing next? I said, oh, you know, I'm going to be traveling. Like this wasn't planned, right? This, I hadn't really, really put my foot in the sand yet. I said, oh, I'm going to be toying the idea, you know, traveling the world, interviewing women about getting older and every single person lead in and they're like, oh, <laughs> tell me more. I was like, yeah. okay, I think this is, I'm onto something. Yeah. And so the more I spoke about it, the more it became reality. And so at the end of New York, at the end of 2020, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. And so I had bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. I put everything, well, I sold pretty much everything, put uh, the rest of my things into a small unit in the Bronx, and then came down to my sister's with the idea of going to Thailand in February. Well, then that didn't go so well because COVID only did this. It was on the uptick. Something like that doesn't make sense. So basically, for the past year, I've been a nomad between my sister, a really good friend, Denise, in L.A. I've spent time in Utah, in New Mexico, in Mexico. You know, really kind of, it was actually a gift. Because if I look back now, Sandy, I think, who, who was I thinking? I was going to take off to Thailand. You know, that was my first country. No. So I've had like eight months to kind of test market it, to say, you know, to what does it feel like to not have a permanent address, to not be in my own bed? And now I'm so interesting that we're actually in four days from us recording this and getting on a plane to Barcelona right. and the real journey begins. Yeah. And so have you started the series of interviews for the Aging Boldly project? Yeah. Well, yeah, I have. I have eight of them. And uh, one of them uh, was a, is a woman who, a Dodi, who is 98. I've interviewed legends like Kathy Smith, um, other great females, one woman that was the thir- first woman to climb um, Mount Everest. Oh my gosh. And, but now I just have to go and edit them and do it. So there's a lot of things I've got, the, I've got a lot of great content and now I have to get it out there. 
in a very imperfect way that does these incredible women justice. And that's what I'll be working on um, during this next year. And also interviewing other incredible women in Europe and then eventually Asia and South America. So what media form is this going to take? Is it a, is it a book? Is it a series of videos? Is it podcasts? What's the plan yeah. or is it all of the above? It's all of the above. So, I love like, it. you know, we, yeah. So, you know, why do one form? So, it like you were doing a a, a Zoom call now. In, in my past podcast, it was just audio. Mm-hmm. So now it's going to be a new podcast called. Uh, we just we just landed on. It's going to be called the Age of Possibility. Oh wow! Uh, breaking uh, the Age of Possibility podcast. Uh, shedding labels, breaking boundaries, living boldly. That'll be the podcast. Then I'm going to do a YouTube channel. That will be my main my main medium. Uh, that's launching in a couple of weeks. And then it will also be, of course, social media. And then my website is changing over. The landing page will be a blog page. It's called the Possibility Tour. Mm-hmm. And that I'll be doing uh, that too. So all forms of medium. I really will be traveling and experiencing, but also producing and creating probably the most content I've ever done and also writing the book along the way. How exciting. So do you have your European tour mapped out? Do you know who you're going to talk to? Or are you just contacting people via calls and just living where you want to in the world while you do that? Yeah, great question. So my first month, um, I'm going to be in Barcelona. I've locked down to be there for an Airbnb for a month. And then I'm actually leasing a car. December 22nd, I pick up a brand new car. And for six months, I have to return it in Barcelona, uh, July 17th. And then between December 22nd and July 17th, I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. That, <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> well, it is and it isn't. So people go, well, how, how are you going to find these women? All I, I will put out, you know, who do I need to interview in Barcelona? I already have one incredible two, two, two-star Michelin chef that I'm going to interview who's 65. And I'm gonna I'm gonna meet people in the street. I'm gonna ask people who do I need to interview? Who are these remarkable women that are aging well and have some have a story to tell? So I'm definitely reaching out to people like who do I need to be talking to, um, and then also just see who I stumble upon in the coffee shop, in the grocery store, in the farmers market. You know that looks like an interesting person. I wonder if they'd be interested in an interview. Yeah, I, I lo- absolutely love this project. It's super exciting to me. I wish I would have thought of it. <laughs> but um, this is going to be wonderful. And I'll be watching for these to roll out. And I have one suggestion for you from our own industry. Yes. Elaine LaLanne just, <gasps> just turned 94, I believe. And I, ju- I interviewed her earlier this year. So look up that episode to get some background on it. But she is a delight and just so sharp. And a lot of fun to talk to. Brilliant. Thank you. Taken. I would, I'll be reaching out to you for an introduction later. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yes. You know, and it's, it's these women who defy stereotypes. Yes. And, you know, we, we all admire her so much and we're so, in, this is this interesting thing as women, as we get older, I, I feel, and I'm speaking for myself here, not for anyone else. All we see in us, well, all I see in myself is my neck, my wrinkles, blah, blah, blah. And I look at someone like Elaine Elaine, right? And, who's, and I don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. All I see is a Shiro. Like, she is amazing. She yeah. is someone I want to emulate. She is someone. So it's just, this is what I want for the book and the materials that I present is just for all of us to 
enjoy this time in our life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I don't know what that conversation is going to end up being. Yeah. So as the creator of this, this project, I mean, this is your heart and soul. I'm curious to know what aging boldly means to you. I think for me personally, and the answer I'm going to give to you now is probably going to be very different than it is in two years, Mm -hmm. is to be living your life without fear of people not liking it and without the fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. If we can drop both of those things, and this includes judging ourselves, that to me is a bold life. Um, We take bold moves, but to follow through on that Ooh, it's letting go of that. What are people going to say when I'm doing this or what happens if it doesn't work out or, and really owning our own life story mm-hmm. then in service of others. This is not a selfish thing. And I think I feel many, I'm going to say women have been so selfless for so many of their years, right? As mothers, as partners, as wives, as, as whatever. And no one teaches us to really claim our place in this world. Mm -hmm. I love how Brene says it, you know, to truly, um, you know, self-confidence is not puffing up. It's not taking up any extra room, but it's not shrinking down. How can we be fully who we are unapologetically? So then when we can do that and we get to shine our light so boldly and brightly, it gives other women permission to do the same. Mm -hmm. So I like this idea of living the possibility And I think to do that, it comes down to letting go of the fear of rejection and the fear of what other people are going to say about it. Yeah, I know for myself, at least that is that's a changing story day to day. It's, you know, how do how do I feel when I wake up in the morning and step out the door? Well, it's it's different every day. And so, um, you know, how do you show up for yourself so you can show up for the world? And how do you give yourself grace and give yourself love? So you can be your best self when you walk out the door that day. Yeah. And it, like, it's like it's like interval training, right? It's interval training for like, you're going to have peaks and valleys. Yeah. And it's when we can really enjoy those peak moments. And without wor- worrying the shoe's going to drop or is this too good to be true or am I deserving of this? And then in the valleys, we're going to have dips. We're going to have challenges. Knowing that we have that inner, we have everything that we need inside of us to mm-hmm. rise up again you know, the Phoenix rising. So yeah, Uh, we shall see. Absolutely. Well, best of luck with the project. And I hope you have a total blast while you're while you're out there collecting these stories. I can't imagine it wouldn't be a lot of fun. Um, So I'm going to roll back the 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 um, the clock so we can come current day again. You were named Ideas Fitness Instructor of the Year in 2001. And the industry really has changed so much since that time. Um, I'm looking to see what advice you would give those who are either just getting started on this career path in fitness and in wellness or who feel stuck. Um, what lessons or pointers from your career can you share so people can carve a really joyful and fulfilling path, but also um, so they can make a good living at it? How, how do you know how do folks make money in this industry? Yeah, I think we need to, I would encourage everyone to take the label off. If you have it on, you might not have it on. But if you look at yourself and go, oh, I'm a fitness instructor, or I'm a personal trainer, or I'm a coach, I'm going to encourage you to take that label off and think of yourself as maybe a transformation expert or a transformation specialist. 
who happened to use this incredible medicine called movement as a part of the transformation process for your clients, for your students, for your whoever. And then I love this, you know, the hero's journey. I call it the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Where I think our industry has gotten stuck, and I think this has been a, a long time, it's not a new challenge, but I think COVID might have helped shake it up just a little bit is we looked at how someone's body changed when they were training with us or taking our classes or, you know, that was a success. They lost weight, they gained muscle. And we never really tapped into the inner journey. Like how do they feel? How do they show up in the other 23 hours when they're not with us? What I would encourage everyone to think about is what is the transformation you are offering? Fitness is a piece of that. But what is the inner transformation? Is it more courage? Is it more confidence? Is it aging boldly? And if you go, oh, I have no idea, go inward and go, what has your internal struggle been? What has my struggle been that through fitness and maybe it's nutrition and maybe it's wellness, it could be meditation, whatever, has helped my journey? And then know that you don't have to know everything to get started. This is also an industry where we feel like we've got every single certification, we've got every single plaque on the wall, and we never share our idea because like, oh, is it is it not unique enough or who am I to be doing that? You just need to know a little bit more, be a few steps ahead than the people you want to help. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, multiple streams of revenue multiple, not just showing up, and it cannot be trading time for dollars. Where's your passive revenue stream? I'll talk to that in a moment. Where are you making additional money for referring people out to products and, and things like that? If COVID didn't teach us everything or anything, it's this idea that nothing is guaranteed. Right. So we've, we're in the gig economy, many of us, meaning if I don't show up, I don't get paid. If I don't show up to teach my class, I don't get paid. If I don't show up to train my clients, I don't get paid. I thought I was smart. I thought, oh, I'm going to move out of fitness into speaking. Guess what? It's a gig economy. <laughs> I don't show up. I don't get paid. And when March hit of, 20, of 2020, my entire my entire uh, calendar that, that year was wiped out. Mm. As were the fitness conventions. Because guess what? Got shut down conventions guess right. what we do keynote speaking convention right so if we don't look at ways that feel authentic that feel in alignment with what we're doing at new ways to make revenue that doesn't stop when you do i want you to start looking at that is it a course is it um clothing is it a supplement that you love that you are using not just something to take and sell but something you believe in is it a book on Amazon? If you're doing a book club with your clients, you know you can become an affiliate for Amazon. Get a link. Make It's not a lot, but those clicks will start paying you back. Mm -hmm. What is it that you love that you can refer to others? Can you build a course that's not necessarily about fitness, but maybe it's about confidence or well-being or willpower or what speaks to you or, you know, whatever's been on your heart, is there a way that you can also create a few things that do not require you to show up to make revenue. Now, not a ton at the beginning. You know, not it's not going to be a lot, but you're beginning to get this idea of I show up, that's my, you know, pay to play. You know, if I'm there, I show up, I get paid, great. 
and just say something else happens down the road. What happens, I hope it doesn't, but what happens if that goes away again? How can I have, is it a book? Is it an ebook? Is it a podcast that maybe not overnight? This is the thing we have to remember. Start planting seeds for things that you could be doing. Uh, multiple streams, maybe it's speaking, maybe it's being, um, you know, uh, offering CECs for, you know, the different spot, uh, certifying bodies out there. What is it that you would feel authentic where part of the transformation that you offer to your clients and students, this is a part of it. Uh, is it an app that you recommend? Is it a piece of equipment? If it's a piece of equipment, reach out to that company and ask them if they have an affiliate program. Right. Don't be shy. You are, we are a referral business. That would be my one piece of advice. Well, two pieces. <laughs> Look at yourself as part of the story, not the whole story. And then what can you do to shore yourself up, your business up? So it's not simply if you don't show up, the money stops. That's what my piece of advice would be right now. So, so many great ideas there, Petra. Thank you for sharing those. We're taking a quick break from our interview to give you some meaningful information for your continuing education and to tell you about an exciting live networking opportunity. Your passionate purpose as a trainer, coach, manager, and owner is to deliver transformational fitness experiences for your clients. If the recent past has taught us anything, it's that we must maintain the focus to continue inspiring our clients no matter what the world throws at us. You'll find that spark and more at Idea Personal Trainer Institute, which returns to Alexandria, Virginia, February 24th through 27th. Choose from 100 sessions on topics like the new rules of muscle growth, diversifying your offerings so your career can weather any storm, how your identity prevents you from seeing success and what to do about it, and much, much more. Plus, IDEA's first ever Personal Trainer of the Year, Sherry McMillan, kicks off the event with an empowering spotlight presentation on how to become more resilient in your personal and professional lives. It's time for our fitness community to rejoin and develop fresh strategies to support our clients and build unbreakable careers. To learn more about IDEA's first in-person event in two years, visit ideafit.com forward slash P trainer or call an inspired service representative directly at 888-999-4332 extension 7. We hope to see you at IDEA Personal Trainer Institute in February. Look for the contact information in the show notes. Now let's return to our fascinating conversation. Um, you know, along the same lines, uh, one of the subjects I know you speak about often is resilience. This has been an incredibly tough year for so many people, as you alluded to. Um, Ursa, in fact, reported recently that 47% of fit pros had either lost their jobs or left the industry. So obviously, folks out there need support and advice about weathering this. Um, so I want to I dig into resilience a bit. A bit. Um, first of all, how do you define resilience? I think resilience to me is, uh, again, it's interval training for life. It's mm -hmm. being able to bounce back faster than the average human uh, from challenges, from, from crises, from, and it's not saying we won't have them. And then the challenging thing is we can't, this is something we don't get to train for. 
You can't train to be resilient. The challenging thing is that you grow your resilience, you strengthen your resilience by going through hard things. So one of the best definitions, and it's so interesting you say this because I was speaking on resilience and no one no one really cared. And now I'm doing talks for Google and I'm frequently to companies about resilience because we're seeing the importance of being able to weather these storms for the long game. It's probably a conversation we should have been having many, many years before COVID hit. Sure. But one of my favorite uh, analogies of resilience is um, by, it was a child psychologist. And I think her name is Edith Brockberg. I just can't remember top of mind right now. But she, she talks about resilience being a pyramid or a triangle. Resilience doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's like a pyramid and it's I am, I have, I can. And it's I am. It's all the strengths you have inside of you that have not been taken away. Everything you have inside of you that have already, look, look, when you're listening to this podcast, look back, think of everything you've done over these past months to be standing at the end of that and really acknowledge, you know, the greatness inside of you that we often look at, give me a laundry list of everything we think we are not. I want you to spend a few moments and think of everything that you are. So it's the I am. You, it's, I am strong. I am courageous. I am resilient. I am a lover of learning. And then it's I have. You have a choir of people that you can ask for help. What happens often, I have seen in our industry, we're really good at giving help, right? We're really good <laughs> at giving advice. We're not great at asking for it. But relationships are a two-way street. If we're the only ones giving advice, it's actually unfair to many of the people who love us who would love to offer help to us. Yeah. So it's I am everything I have inside of me. I have a choir of five people that I know I can lean on when I, I need help. And then this is the one that I love the best. I can. Think about when COVID first hit. I don't know how to do Zoom. How many people like, I can't hear you, unmute. Turn the little, we're like, no, I don't know what to do. And then how many fitness professionals in a week? I'll figure it out. I don't know how to mix, I don't know how to mix the music so it doesn't end up four beats behind on Zoom. I saw so many fitness professionals who hated being on camera, but they had the resilience to say, I want to stay connected to my students. I want to show up in the world. It's not perfect. And they had a willingness to say, I don't know how to do this yet. Mm-hmm. I can. I can learn how to Zoom. I can Google how do I get the music to match me instead of four beats later. I can ask my friends. And it's a willingness to say, I don't know yet. And those three pillars, those three prongs help us all become more resilient. But at the end of the day, we get to choose. And I say, if we come out, because we're not fully out of it yet, if we come out of this pandemic the same way we went in, what a waste of a pandemic. Right. Please come out differently, come out bolder, come out with a willingness to say, I've never done a course yet. I'd have, I don't know how to write a book yet. I don't know how to do a podcast yet <laughs> and have a willingness to show up for your life and then figure it out. Really beautifully stated. Um, I, I know another topic you've been speaking and writing about a lot in recent years is transformational leadership. Um, 
COVID changed so much about conventional ways of doing business and leading. Um, in one article, you and I'm going to quote this, you wrote that connection and inspiration will be your currency of the future. And these soft skills are going to yield hard, positive results for you and your team. Can you please give us some examples of how fitness pros can use the mindset reset that you speak about to transform the way they lead that will yield exceptional results? Oh, you are a good researcher. You are good. Um, so I think the thing is, when we often go in to teach and, you know, we have this mad respect for our audience. And I think for not for all, not for everybody, but for a lot of people that I have worked with along the way, we get so hung up on the choreography, the workout, the training method, which equipment I'm going to use, you know, what diet are we doing? And at the end of the day, I guarantee you, your clients and your students, the only thing they care about is feeling seen and that they matter. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, if you can connect heart to heart, and one thing I really would, uh, you know, I don't know where you work right now, but and it's hard if you're still on Zoom and that's never going to go away. But when we are back into the, you know, the human connection space, even if it's from six feet apart for a while, as much as you can get technology out of the way, if you use an iPad for writing a training protocol, I would encourage you to get pen and paper hmm. and put that iPad away and, you know, be able to be really with the person or the people that you are connecting with. They don't care about perfect choreography. They care about connection. They don't care about which equipment they're using. They care about how how they feel after they've left you. So when I talk about transformational leadership, it's about meeting people where they're at and then speaking their love language. Um, I love that book, The Five Love Languages. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Oprah has said this, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of every interview, whether it's a president or a pop star, pop star or an actress, they all ask the same question did I do okay? <laughs> and that's what people want to know. Am I okay as who I am? If you can become that transformational leader that lets, that lets people know when they first come into the gym, whether they're 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, whether they've lifted a weight or they've never lifted a weight, you right now at this moment are remarkable. Mm -hmm. And then the work we're going to do together is only going to make you more remarkable, but you are perfect just the way you are. If you can speak to this person and have them believe you. And transformational, transformational leadership is a lot more about listening than speaking mm -hmm. and a lot more about asking the right questions. So I often feel I know for me, when I was coined a fitness expert, I believed I needed to know all the answers. I, it's ridiculous. I mean, answers are changing every day. Um, and now I, if you ask me a question, I'm like, you know, that's a great question. I have no idea. I'll ask my virtual assistant Google and I'll get back to you tomorrow. <laughs> I used to think that not knowing the answer was a, a strike against my credibility. You don't need to know all the answers. We need to ask the right questions. I love this saying, without a brilliant question, without a good question, great answers have no place to go. Hmm. Without a great question, great answers have no place to go. Your clients and your students, they have all the answers. They know everything they need to know to get the job done. Yeah. They just need you to ask the right question to unlock the belief in themselves 
So this is hard. You know, we're great at coming up with the right answers, but what would it take to ask high power questions that unlock the belief in your students and your clients? And I think that goes back to something you mentioned earlier um, about coming from a place of empathy, like knowing your story and and your pain and and having empathy for the people who enter your studio. They might be scared. They might be having a bad day, whatever it is. It's, you know, it's being tuned in and listening to that where they're where they are, meeting them where they are and then delivering what they need on that day. Yeah. And it's so interesting, you know, we talk about listening. And I, when I was going through my, my years training of positive psychology, there was a whole thing on appreciative listening. Uh, there's appreciative inquiry and appreciative listening and active listening. And we had, to, we had to do breakouts. And what I realized is it's really hard for me to shut up. I was like, I kept wanting to step in and go, I have the right answer. And I was like, <laughs> I, I used to think I was really enthusiastic, but I was impatient. So I really wasn't listening. I was like, oh, they're going to tell me everything they want, but I really have the answer for them. I'm going to fix them. And so what I'd encourage us all to do is like, just notice with appreciation, not self-judgment. The next time you ask a question, what's going on in your mind? Can you listen without already having an answer? Mm -hmm. It's really hard. Even (laughs) being right here with you now, I'm trying to listen to the question in present time versus what I think the perfect answer should be. And it's really allowing ourselves to not try to fix people, just to help them to be a guide, to open up their belief in themselves. And really this idea of listening more and asking better questions. Like I remember when I was you know, teaching a lot, like, hey guys, how are you doing? Great. It's not a great question. And I'd be over and over again. And you guys look awesome. It's all wonderful. I'm not saying don't do that. But in between that, can we ask questions that really make them contemplate, especially if you're working one to one? Unlock that belief like, oh, my gosh, you know, I am doing great today. And just really cement the mindset, building up their strength of their mindset as well as the strength of their body. Mm, So much wisdom and experience for our listeners here, Petra. Thank you. We talked at length in the first podcast I referred to about your 2018 book, The Perfection Detox. Um, And I just want to tell a little story here. I remember prepping for that show and seeing that you had just celebrated your 100 show mark on your podcast. And I had that immediate you know, gut punch feel of lesser than and self-doubt that seems to be the crux of perfectionism um, and which is at the heart of your book. That somewhat fearful gut reaction of comparing my inexperienced podcasting to your 100 episode expertise was a perfect example of how, how that kind of thinking can rob joy and pursuit of dreams from our lives. Um, Please share what you've learned about discovering the joy, freedom, and simplicity, simplicity of being enough. Um, I know you've talked on this topic a lot, but what, what are some key takeaways here? I think the first thing to know, it's not simple. It is not simple. We are so fast to judge ourselves. I do it all the time. So people ask me, so how's the editing coming? You had asked me, have you done any interviews? Yep, they're all sitting in a, in a camera. I haven't edited them yet, you know, and I haven't touched my podcast that one in over a year. And here you are consistently showing up, right? Overtaking. So it's not easy. 
And I think what happens is when we come, I love this. It was by John Acuff. He says, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. And so like now I'm going to venture into the YouTube market. Right. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. I stripped my YouTube channel and all 20 subscribers that I had uh, because (laughs) it was, it was all fitness stuff that really isn't relative to where I'm going. So I'm going to have to start from scratch. And if I waited, if I, if I looked at the podcasters and the YouTubers and the bloggers that I admire and how many followers they have, I would never get started. Because the first thing I'd say is like, why bother? It's already been done. And so it's not saying that we won't judge ourselves and compare ourselves to others. But when you find yourself doing that, I wish I could say, just don't do it. I compare myself to others every single day. Mm -hmm. The difference being now is what do I do with that? So if you and when you, it's not if, when you find yourself comparing yourself to maybe another trainer, another instructor, a podcaster, an author, whatever it is, where you have that willingness that you haven't, you're not there yet, isn't that, I think it's great to use others for motivation. Got to use them for motivation. What are they doing well? What What do I like about that person? But stop it there. Like learn from them. Mm-hmm. And then switch the comparison into learning. And then go, okay, I love the way they're doing that. I can emulate that at the beginning. I love the way they're doing that. I love the questions that they're asking and borrow from these people. And everything old is new again. Knowledge is not to be owned, it's to be shared. Yeah. So borrow the questions, give reference to the people that you say, Oh, I love this question by Sandy. I'm gonna use it again, whatever it might be. But the minute we start judging ourselves against someone who's might have been doing it for 10 years, 20 years, it's going to stop you, not even just your joy, it's going to stop you from sharing mm-hmm. your brilliance, doesn't mean it's perfect, your brilliance and your teachings that only people can hear from you. So we could, and I remember this in when we were doing uh, conventions and people go, doesn't it bother you if people take your choreography? I'm like, I'm sure I took pieces of it from Marcus Irwin and Lexi Williams and, and the greats, <laughs> you know, nothing is original. It's how you make it yours. It's how you make people feel. So when we expect, if we expect that everything we do has to be completely original, it has to be perfect, it has never been done before, we will never get started. The thing that makes it so unique is you. So use others for motivation. Def- I'm listening to podcasts and watching YouTubers and what do I love? What blogs do I like? What layout do I like? What kind of cinematography do I like? What kind of editing do I like? But then I, if, when, not if, when I find myself, go, oh my gosh, they got over 2 million subscribers. I've got 20. I go, oh, that's interesting. Why are you judging yourself against that person? So it's the lens of self-compassion and it, Basically, it's just going to show you what's that thing that you still feel insecure about? What's that thing that's stopping you from starting? And then we can use, no, not that we're not going to have insecurity, but let's use it as a lesson. And then we can turn that lesson into learning and turn our insecurities into something that can help other people not have to go through the same struggle as we do. So rather than um, comparing and feeling bad about ourselves, Cherry pick what you like from that person or what they're saying and put your own spin on it. Make it your own. Um, Because like you say, there's nothing really original out here (laughs) anymore. I mean, every once in a while, something really cool and original comes out. But for the most part, we are all kind of emulating each other and putting our own spin on it. 
Yeah. And as long as you give credit to it, so, you know, um, you know, just but I'm saying if you're looking at some, there's a great TED talk and I'll send the link to you. Um, it was called, I think it's, it's all in the remix. And it was this guy talking about like some of the greatest songs, the greatest songs were kind of like referencing other songs. So if we wait for the something that's completely original, we'll be waiting forever. So it's how you remix it. It's how you make it your own. And I think coming back to someone who was an icon of mine, Marcus Irwin, mm-hmm. from back in the day, I think there was actually a workshop he did called It's All It's All a Remix. And it's like how you, we can pick and choose things for even choreography or our own workouts. And just know the thing that makes it so unique is you. And here's the thing. That's the heart work. I call it the heart work and the hard work because we don't believe in ourselves. Like, oh, I'm going to get found out. Are they going to know I don't really know it all? So this is the hard work we have to do because if we can't believe in ourselves, how on earth are we going to have the real the real tools, you know, the, the thing you can't teach, that belief to help others believe in themselves? And this is, this is the work that we can't learn in books. We can't learn in a podcast. We can't watch it on YouTube. That's the inner work that goes on between our heads and our hearts. And that's what I would encourage us all to do on a daily basis. Fantastic. I hope folks are taking notes out there. <laughs> or I'm going to have to listen to this this podcast at least three times to, to get all of these knowledge bombs in my brain. Um, so just to wrap up the perfection discussion, and because it's so integral to um, the conversation of inclusion in fitness right now, um, and while I think we're slowly coming around, I think our industry can be really unforgiving in terms of judging a person's exterior and body shaming, and even for for ourselves, like that's that's a tough thing. Um, what have you observed about that, and how do you think we can level up as fitness leaders to set better examples in that realm? See people as humans. Yeah. See them, see them as humans, not bodies. We're all the same. See ourselves in them. You know, when we can see ourselves in them and connect on the things that bring us together versus the things that separate us. I mean, this is the world in general, right? And and I again I think the thing that COVID did, not there were so many things that went on through COVID that taught us so much about the importance of inclusion that maybe might not have had the power that it did, that these scenarios, horrible scenarios had, were we not all glued to our television. You know, Mm -hmm. we were not busy. We all got to see the same things happen in front of us. But this is part of also my travels too. It's like when we can see what connects us as a human, we're so much more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's often, it's our own insecurities, our own not understanding whether it's weight, weight, color, gender, age, whatever. Um, It's often the lessons that we still have to learn. And when we can go, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why I still feel uncomfortable in this situation. You know, whatever that might be. And that's why I think this is not, this is actually not 100% not why I'm going. But now you bring this question to mind. Hey, I am now stepping into all another person's world over and over again. So I'm going to be the one that needs the empathy, right? So, you know, we learn by doing, we learn by growing, we learn by living. So I think the biggest thing I'd say is, Whatever you have in yourself, see the good parts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see the goodness of you in someone else because we all have the same insecurities. We all have the same worries. And at the end of the day, regardless of our exterior, 
We just want to feel on the inside that we are enough. Mm. And, you know, it's our own self-reflection that allows us to show up in a better way for others. And I think it's interesting. My mom never really had massive, like heavy guidelines. But the one thing she always said was two things. Be able to look yourself in the mirror, in in the eye, with a clean conscious every morning and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we get into trouble. Because if we don't love ourselves, how are we going to ever truly love others into the way that they deserve? So that's the inner work we have to do so we can appreciate ourselves and then see that and see the, the light of others. You know, it's that thing, the light in me, uh, you know, shines the light in you. That, I totally butchered that. I apologize, yoga people. But, you know, it's that is the namaste. It's I see in each other. And when, if and when we can all do that, the world will be such a better place. And you can make a difference. We can make a difference. A simple smile, a simple thank you, a simple like, oh my gosh, you give such energy. You give such beautiful light. Thank you for sharing that smile. Thank you for what you do, you know, to the janitor, to the person at the bus stop, to the person you don't know, to a smile, you know, a thank you, uh, an eye to eye. Yeah. You, you have no idea the power that that can bring into someone else's life. Yeah, golden rule was big in my upbringing as well. You know, treat others as you would be treated. It's as simple as that, but we often get wrapped up in our own selves. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I for, love and that. forget to, to do it. Yeah, and to roll off that. So golden rule, right? Treat others as you would like to be treated. And then there was actually a book out called The Platinum Rule, especially in business. Now, oh, I'll treat others as they would like to be treated because maybe their secret, you know, their love language is different. Here's another one I want everyone listening to consider, the diamond rule. Mm. Treat yourself as you would treat those that you love. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we we so often forget to do that. You know, give yourself grace, give yourself yes. love, appreciate who you are and what you bring every day. Yeah. So incredibly, Petra, our time is coming to an end. But before we sign off, can you, first of all, please tell people how they can connect with you, um, either through social, your website or other means. And then I would love it if you could leave us with a parting thought to give FitPros inspiration during a time of such uncertainty. Okay, so is it pretty easy? It's Petra Kolber, P-E-T-R-A-K-O-L-B-E-R.com. And that's actually turning over this week to a blog page. So you can follow my travels there. And then on socials, I'm really on Facebook and Instagram. It's Petra Kolber. I would love you to like follow. And then when the YouTube channel comes up, I will like be saying, please follow me over there. I could really use your support on that one. It's not up yet. Um, and then I think the word, I would, this is actually from my book. It's it's not new. And, and it comes back to perfectionism and thinking we need to know it all. Is simply the world needs you. The world needs your ideas now more than ever. It needs your voice now more than ever. It needs your heart now more than ever. And it's this idea of the world would rather have your imperfect voice, book, podcast, coaching call, then your perfect silence. We need you. We want you. Uh, have a willingness to say, I don't know how to do this yet. And you'll earn your wings on the way down. Mm. Profound. 
thank you so much for sharing your your love and light with us today, Petra. It's just it's always so enlightening and fun to talk to you. Um, and I wish you super fun and safe travels and adventures. It's going to be such a great thing. And I would love it if you would stop by to talk to us again when you finish the proje- project or even midway through. If you have a good story to tell, um, dial me up and we'll we'll talk about it. You got it. Hopefully there'll be more than one, but I'm going to get like 10. I'll be like, okay, ready for another podcast. We got some good ones. Thank you so much. Take care. Love you. Well, that winds up our conversation with Petra Kolber. Check the show notes for details about getting in touch with her and for any other resources mentioned on today's show. If you're not an IDEA member, learn more about how IdeaFit Plus membership is truly the mastermind asset that fit pros everywhere are choosing to push their careers forward. If we can answer any questions about how you can enjoy all of IDEA's incredible benefits and career tools, please visit ideafit.com or call our inspired service team at 1-800-999-4332, extension 7. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.